What's up, friends? It's Tuesday night. My name is Adam, and I'm coming to you from Kearney, Missouri. If we have not met, uh, I'm the senior pastor at First United Methodist Church in Kearney. Glad you're with us. Also, hello to folks who may be watching this uh, later on or on a podcast. We're glad you're here, too. Also, shout out to all the Texans that are in the house, either live or uh, through the magic of the internet. Another time, I'm going to bring on what, in my opinion, is in the running for top Texan ever. My dog, John Wayne McMahon, say hello. Hello, friends. Happy to be with you again. In case folks haven't uh, encountered our our tag team on this deal, tell tell the people a little bit about yourself. Uh, I am a pastor at Marv United Methodist Church in Tyler, Texas. I lead a worshiping community that's there. Um, Married for eight years to Lauren, got two kids and a third on the way, and actually... (laughs) Uh, just, just having a, a great time. I am Texan through and through. Someone challenged me today if I could ever walk away from consuming meat, and I said, "No way." Why? Why would you? I don't know. That's. Yeah. I don't know why they asked that, but now let me say uh, uh, on on the child front, when you have through, are you guys at like the have to get a new vehicle stage? We've actually. Uh, we um, have explored downsizing our car seats just to be able to fit them because I'm reluctant to buy another car. So we're getting smaller seats uh, to be able to fit them. We've measured it and tried it all out. Um, so yeah, you're going to resist. You're going to hold out. Yep. Yeah. Holding out to pay paid, paid for vehicles. I'm, I'm reluctant. Oh dude, yeah. no doubt. I'm with you. Yeah. No car payment is sweet, especially yeah. if you had children to the yeah. equation. Anyway, Friends on Facebook, say hello. We'd love to know you are with us and have you ponder the question and throw your response out. What is a favorite comeback story of yours? So John Wayne, what do you think? Let's say real or fictional. What's what's a favorite comeback for you? Uh, I love comeback story movies. And so mm-hmm. I love underdog stories. One of my favorite movies ever is Remember the Titans. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I may but, cry just, just thinking about it. Yeah, but any any story, Miracle on Ice. I was thinking about how timely that I might watch that one right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I almost I almost said something uh, I shouldn't hear live. Uh, yeah, how about take that, Putin? We'll see that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh my boy, Landon. Good to see you, man. He's driving home. Chillicothe is a city in northern Missouri. Oh, uh, could so be another country, he's, but he's uh, on, he's on the road, man. Good to see you. Even virtually. Glad you're here. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, I was thinking about it and I'm just I, I got a I got a few that came to mind. I mean, the Chiefs losing in the 20, let's see, 2019 AFC title game and then winning the Super Bowl next year. I thought that was pretty sweet. Uh obviously. Oh, my boy Cody is here. He said Rudy. Rudy, yes. So that's, that's in John Wayne's lane for sure. For yep. sure. I was thinking about folks who maybe uh, had some type of cancellation or had some scandal and then are kind of on the other side and back. I think uh, uh, like A-Rod, I think, is a great comeback story. That's like good. Everybody loves his baseball analysis and yeah. he's very handsome. Everybody loves him on MLB TV. And for a little while, he was like reviled because a lot of the steroid stuff. Yep. Um, That's good. 
in that same vein, here's another Missouri. So I'm trying to educate the Texans on some culture north of Oklahoma. Uh, I lived in Texas for a summer, and they'd be like, now where is Missouri? And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, we're pretty arrogant. I went to college in every Texas. I went to college in Tennessee, and every Texan had a Texas flag hanging out their window. And I was like, man, this is where the stereotypes come from, people. That's right. That's right. Uh, I was also thinking about like Mark McGuire. Mm-hmm. Um, he was kind of ostracized from base, Major League Baseball. And then uh, I believe got his coaching start uh, with the Cardinals and then was with the Dodgers for a little while. So it was kind of like come, coming back to the family. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, so I don't know if anybody else has any comeback stories. Uh, did we did we cover did we cover it all, John Wayne? I was. I, this isn't about canceled directly, but I just want to. Uh, I just want you guys that are up there, you Chiefs fans, to not take for granted that Adam couldn't remember at what point they lost the AFC Championship and what year it was they won and things like that. Because as a lifelong Cowboys fan, uh, it doesn't feel like there is a comeback. Um, not enough to lose track of. <laughs> last 20 years yeah uh well for the record i got hung up on it was the 2018 season but the calendar year was Uh, i got it oh yeah don't yeah i'm not doubting your knowledge of chief's history here but i'm a little defensive i'm just saying if if it's hard to keep straight because of all of the success then uh you got a good team that's right yeah well and that's uh, so i'll uh we're spitballing a little bit so when I when the Royals won the World Series in 2015, uh, tons of people went to the parade. They actually shut down schools. Uh, my kid was sick that day, and his doctor's office closed. Mm. And I was like, you know what? How about you take care of sick children and watch the parade on TV? And here was the kind of what was implied there. This may never happen again in our lifetime, so uh, we need to go today. Mm. See, in St. Louis, here I'm going to get on the high horse. Watch me mount up. If the Cardinals won the World Series and there was parade and you were going to miss it, you'll be like, I'll just get it next time. Right. But in Kansas City, it was on. So don't hate me. Don't hate me. That made me think of that made me think of uh, two two other sports teams. I remember how big of a deal when the Saints won after Katrina. You remember oh, that? Oh, the pump block. Yes. Yeah, there's a statue of that. Yes. Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah. and then, like, I know there's some cancellation of uh, my Houston Astros, but the Astros after after Harvey, the year after Harvey, that was a big yeah. deal too. That's true. Yeah. Uh, we got some other people chiming in. Cody said Kurt Warner. Oh yeah. Ooh, yep. I haven't seen that movie, but I heard it was good. I have as well. He said Michael Vick. I w- I almost used him as an example on Sunday. Yeah, that's right. Uh, another Missouri centric one. Thank you, Christy. Alex Smith. You know, had his leg broke. There's a documentary of all of his surgeries. Comeback player of the year. I was gonna say Dak, but I didn't want to. I didn't want any bad blood with all my Cowboys, them boys fans. So I got family that are big Cowboys fans too. So I'm I'm kind of a and I'm such a fan of yours, John Wayne. I'm I'm like a Cowboys fan adjacently. Which is that shows how good of a friend you are because not many sports fans are able to cross those those lines. I just, I, you know, if it can help anything that helps put you in a good mood, I'm for. Well, and and if I get any credibility with your audience, I mean, I'm in I'm in Patrick Mahomes country over here, so True. everyone's Chiefs fans where I'm at. A lot of converts. I bandwagon when the Cowboys. Um, lose when they always do early hey nothing wrong with having an afc team yeah nothing wrong with it yeah 
Well, and I think we can we can transition into actual like spiritual content here. I do think the reason we love movies like Rudy, like um, uh, Miracle, the one you mentioned, is sports are like finite. Like we can know who won or lost. We can. It's it's like not as messy as life. There's like a final score. It's easier to tabulate. It, there's a finality to it. There's a temporalness to it. Um, and so we love when, you know, Alex Smith comes and is the starter again. It's like, yeah, yeah we can point to that. But yeah. life uh, is is a lot different. Uh, oh, Cody says, what about Apple? Yep. Good good call. And Steve Jobs. Yeah. Was booted and then uh, came and, and we're, most of us are probably on his devices right now. I like yeah. it. So. Yeah, sports are, are we love those because it's like bite-sized and we can tell we love a good conclusion and life is more open-ended than that. So just a thought. Uh John Wayne, you and I have have been talking about in our shared series cancel culture. So why don't I throw our definitions we've been using up there and and let's refresh people maybe they're new or um these are kind of the terms we've been working with. So lay it on. Yeah, defining cancel culture when an individual entity brand violates a social boundary is decredited and removed from public legitimacy and participation. All right. It's pretty uh, good. It covers it covers a pretty I, you know, I think I think what was hard about uh defining stuff is this thing is so nuanced and complex yeah. and layered. So yeah. at least this was able to give us a conversation starter, but I think anyone could add or, you know, uh, elaborate on on that. And this is nothing but our sort of shared best attempt. I like yeah. I like what you said. This is not definitive by any means, but this is trying to wrap our arms around this thing uh, to kind of establish terms. And and then the second layer we've been walking through is how we've tried to be. A, you know, John Wayne, you do a good job of talking about nuances. We, I hope people have never taken away that forgiveness should be like sweeping something under the rug or the stuff isn't a big deal. Or, you know, Jesus says, you know, forgive. So what's your problem? Like, this is a whole process. It's not easy. It's not instant. Doesn't mean the actions don't have consequences. So what we've tried to do is separate out calls for uh, consequences from what we mean by cancel culture. So can you elaborate on the definition that we've kind of provided? What do you think? Yeah. So, I mean our kind of like baseline was that um, we shouldn't see shame as a sport because a lot of times cancel goes past consequences and accountability to control or when we get entertainment from it. Um, and we go back to like the example we used in maybe week two on Justine Sacco. Mm -hmm. And there was just this glee that people were getting from trying to end her life via social media. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And, and something I think we can explore a bit in a space like this that we might not necessarily in a less conversational avenue would, would, would be like, what's the threshold that we have? And we'll get into this at the end, too. What's the threshold we have? So, for instance, like our church uses right now media. I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah. Um, it, it's amazing. I mean, con it's like the Netflix for Christian Bible studies. Uh, it's very good, excellent, well well done, great content. But you can get a lot of stuff off of there um, with varying theological viewpoints 
that may actually even contradict what we might teach at our Methodist church, particularly things like women in ministry, right? I'll just throw that one out there. So like, should we support things like right now media that support or that uh, further complementarianism theology? What say you? I didn't put this in the preparatory email, did I? Well, I'm laughing because I instituted my last church to use right now media when COVID hit. That was a great addition. Mm -hmm. And I'm laughing because I hadn't even thought about this, but there is a, you can remove things from being findable for your people. Uh, we, have, we have talked about that feature too. Yeah. And I've, I used it. I was like, uh -huh. ah, that person doesn't believe in oh. the Old Testament. I don't want <laughs> them watching that Dude. stuff. King of cancellation. Here he is. Here he is. But I would, I would ask is if I, if there is an idea that I think is outside our good, uh, the boundaries that we have or what we're teaching, am I canceling someone by just taking them out of the menu of what I think our people pastorally should be learning from? I think that I think cancellation and here I am justifying myself. So someone challenged me this. I, I, put you, I put you on the spot. You're good. You're good. But what if I went on a high horse and told everyone about this person that we shouldn't read and don't buy the books and things like that, that would be, that would be controlling a little bit, man, I was controlling by putting them on the do not watch list, but still, I don't know. It's a hard, it's a nuanced, layered, hard, difficult thing. Yep. Um, yeah. I don't think you, I don't think we cancel people for having different ideas from us. I think we should interact critically mm. um, with those ideas. My worry with right now was giving my people some ideas that they might take without the avenue to interact with it critically in yeah. community. So just and, watching something on right now and not having the interaction. And in that way, it's it's a, a quasi endorsement or could be seen that way. Yeah. Yeah, I think, and for me, there's a difference between having that available and then engaging with it. Would I have, well, we wouldn't because we couldn't pay them what they need to pay, but would I have that theologian preach at our church? I don't know. Would I have them preach on a different subject? Also don't, uh, yeah, so I think just the, you can just really go down the rabbit trail with all this stuff, but I'm, I'm hoping that's what we can get into a little bit just be, to really kind of round this thing out and try and put some practical skin on it. Well, I think, okay, so here's, here's the nuance. Like, so, um, at, all right, let me put it this way. So we might not have a theologian that has some ideas that we think maybe are harmful or maybe against our Wesleyan expression, have the full availability of like a, a pulpit, unless we had an alternate view that was used with it so that people might have an avenue to critically interact with it. So does that make sense? So let me translate it to our everyday because the folks listening are not making decisions yeah. like that every day. <laughs> Being uber, uber churchy at the moment. But if we, but we cancel people because they have ideologies or ideas that are different than us, we just cut them out rather than interacting with opposing views and thinking critically yeah. about those decisions or those things that we might disagree with. If anything, it's an opportunity for us to learn more about the, the places that we find ourselves drawn to and the beliefs that we have. 
um, instead of just like canceling out everything else and staying in our own echo chamber. I think it helps us to grow in what we believe, but it also expands ideas and, and we can listen to others and grow and maybe change our minds in some different ways. So I think walking away from cancel culture in that way on an everyday function is important. Well said. I don't have anything to add. That's how well it was said. Yeah, another. that's another benefit of trying to stay away from this instinct. Cancel. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that's what... Uh, oh, Christy says, this is exactly what we try and do as teachers. Yeah, that's a great... Critically engage. That doesn't mean you endorse. Yeah, like, I, I love that. Thank you, Christy. I'm glad y'all are with us, by the way. So, um, and, well, and I think... If I was, we talked about this a little bit Sunday at, at my joint, like try and get your head around Paul, a blasphemer and persecutor, you know, who's now on the team. So John Wayne, would you mind reading First uh, Timothy 1, 13 through 16? And I will be your slide man. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Thank you, sir. So let's put ourselves in the shoes of a first century follower of the way, as uh, the New Testament described, kind of predating the label Christian. Uh, we'd love to hear from you online as well. How would you have received new convert Paul? What do you think, John Wayne? Well, I think, I mean, if I'm honest, I pro it probably would have taken and maybe this isn't wrong, but maybe it is, it would have taken some work to not cancel Paul mm -hmm. because of what's happening. So I think it would have taken, in a hyper-spiritual sense, a confirmation from God that what Paul is doing is from God, but maybe a collective community of credibility. I mean, um, there's a community that says, no, this is an authoritative person. I think that would have been helpful, but I don't know, man, it would have been really, it would have been really difficult because I've thought of other leaders and other people that, that have been offered to me or I've interacted with and they've done a lot less than Paul and I would be mm. willing to write them off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I wonder how much like the supernatural experience he had would have, swayed folks uh hearing from jesus directly folks that were with him on the the jesus bender you know over <laughs> those couple days i yeah i'm with you i think it would have been a tall order and i think it's i think it's important to remember that people in the first century weren't dumb you know like they were they you know we've got a lot like they didn't know about germs but that doesn't mean they were dumb and and i think our instincts really haven't changed that much I think it would have been pretty easy to treat Paul suspiciously at best and to just dismiss him at worst. And, and that's why we thought it was a great concept to use Paul as our example of the danger of cancellation, right? It's actually on purpose. The worst of sinners was, was the example God wanted to choose. Uh, so I think that's important for us to keep in mind. And, and I think that's on a kind of micro level. On a macro level, you know, Paul says, 
uh, that Christ came into the world to save sinners. Well, how 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 well do we do that as churches? And and I, I don't think this isn't meant to be uh, just a bash session on organized religion or churches or denominations. But I just think it's kind of a gut check of let's let's look at God's strategy for who and when to use and what what was said lasts. This is eternal there, right? The word of God. These instructions are still for us. So how are we doing on that? What do you think? Well, let, let, let's come back to this question in just a second. Let me let me ask this question to the, the, the room and to you. What made what made Paul acceptable? How was it that he was able to overcome this? I mean, even beyond the spiritual like conversion aspect, but how did the church get to the place of being able to respond to Paul? What was it about Paul and his message that that translated to a place where they were able to see past his past and see that God was doing something? Immediately or long term? Uh, either. I think immediately, like Ananias vouches for him, and that's through another kind of prophetic experience. I think long term. Did you did you read his uh, did you read his Second Corinthians kind of resume of suffering on Sunday? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think, and he's an interesting guy in terms of. I don't need to brag, but here's my list. <laughs> right when he does that. I, mean, I think later on the fruit was very clear or the the suffering you don't you don't suffer for something you don't love so later on i think the answer is much clearer i think early on i think it was a pretty big gamble what do you think yeah no i think you're right and i think what what was necessary for paul to find acceptance in this new movement of the way was that what Paul was teaching and espousing to was actually in line with Jesus himself, the way that Jesus was teaching and the understanding that there was fruit even in his teaching of a change. Sure. Right? Like, so he's completely, he now sees things in light of Christ. And so it's, there is an, there is an obvious, there has been a transformation here. Um, because I, I even think of like what happens with what happens when the food laws get tossed out in Acts. Like how did they how were they able to discern this idea mm. that it's OK for Gentiles and some of the practices of Gentiles? Like how did the the Council of Jerusalem, how did they decide this was? Well, I think they had to see, does this line up with what we know of Christ and what we've been called to and the mission that is happening? Now, if Paul came forward and was trying to sell something that was that was still antithetical to Jesus, I think he would have been identified as a false teacher pretty quickly. Ah, but the fact that it lined up. Well, let me let me show Christie's comment here. I think this is very insightful, not surprisingly. She says, I think we have to take note that Paul was newly converted. Listen to this. And he was willing to be welcomed. I mean, just the fact that he was. Like his very presence was sort of a jaw dropper, I would imagine. That's I'm reading into Christie's thing here. It's hard to think about, and really, want to makes me makes me want to be more welcoming. Woo, woo. Yeah, great question, John Wayne, and great response. Well, and the other thing, the other the nuance about Paul, um, N.T. Wright does some of this in his um, 
his creative artistic license he takes with Paul's biography. I don't know if you've read any of that. I haven't um, heard N.T. Wright speak at Asbury once. Shout out. Oh, nice. I understood about 30% of it. Yeah, I could listen to him and not gain anything and still enjoy my time. Was, I've seen him speak a couple of times, but um, his writing has is, is always been a favorite of mine. But um, so a lot of scholars think Paul actually disappears for like 10 years before between conversion and his first call into Antioch, I think, is oh, wow. when they go and get him and send him. And there's a lot we could say about that. But some scholars even um, project or, or guess that he lost everyone in his family through his conversion. Um, that by the time that a Pharisee of his like stature, they probably he probably even had an arranged marriage that was set up and ready for him. And when he comes out into ministry, he has no we don't hear him speak of anybody in his life. And so he there's a gap. It reads very quickly. But a lot of a lot of people think, what is he doing there? Well, he's probably going back and going, I memorized the whole Torah. How did I miss this? He's relearning all of these things. He comes out emerged, having spent all of this time and effort and prayer in reorienting himself to Christ. And so there was a there was a credibility that even came out of that too. Which there's probably something to be said about time. If it was the day after yeah. his conversion, who knows how that would have gone? Yep. And we talked about that week too. Yeah. Shout out to us. Yeah. Oh, Christy's got another insightful question. What do we do with those who aren't newly converted and not willing to be welcomed? I think that's where we have the real work to do. Well, and I think that that really, I think, tees up our our, our other question here, yeah. which is that way. how do we as churches exhibit the fact that our whole point is to save sinners? I'll, I'll use an analogy. Now, John Wayne, I know you've been... Uh, 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 what's the, <laughs> what's the word? Making gains. You've been dropping pounds and working out. I think I think a great analogy for the church is the gym. Mm. People think, well, I'm not going to show up there. I'm not in shape. I don't know what to do with those machines. But the whole point of a gym is for people to get healthy, right? I mean, on some level, or so I understand, <laughs> right? So, how do you think we do as churches about existing to help folks? be saved, to, to be saved from their sins. I think in general, I think in general, we are drawn to who we know and what we know. And it's hard for us to welcome people that have different backgrounds, experiences, mm -hmm. um, look different, act different. I mean, you can even see that in missionary colonization over mm -hmm. the history of the church. We go somewhere and we say to be Christian is to look like me and, yeah. and to do things my way. Yeah. Um, and so I think too often we project on even the person who's repentive and wants to get help. We project on them that it, need, it's, it needs to have a prescription that's less like following Christ and more like our local context click or whatever it's supposed to look like. So I think we struggle with that. We need to we we always need to um, look at our practice of hospitality but I think I do think there's what um, what your friend asked about the question of being wanting to be welcomed. I do think there's a level in which some people, yeah, um, I think there's a level in which some like some people need to have a desire or a curiosity to pursue things, or there's only so much level of hospitality that the that the church can offer. I mean, we can love sacrificially. 
But if you come in with like your pagan practices or something like that and just refuse to like refuse to interact a little bit with this way of Jesus and receive a little bit of growth and accountability or whatever that is, it's hard. I think you should give space for that tension. What's the time frame of that? Who knows? That's where hospitality gets messy. Um, but there's still a calling to something. We we welcome you as you are, but there's a calling to something. Yeah. And hopefully it's not to look like me, but it's a calling to follow Christ and whatever, um, not whatever, but in the expression and the way God uh, makes that aware for you in your life. So I don't know. That's not an easy answer, but it's a layered one. We got uh, some other, uh, other folks chiming in. Uh, we're glad you are here, Angie. Uh, good to see you. She says, my son's dealing with this with his roommate who's agnostic. He keeps sharing that he doesn't understand how a sinner as bad as a criminal can be forgiven and go to heaven. Yeah, and that's that's this radical nature of forgiveness is hard to wrap your mind around. And I think that really hits at the heart of our scripture. Now, I'm not saying that you recite First Timothy and, you know, roommates getting saved instantly here. But it is a counterintuitive subject we're address, trying to address. I, I do think, though, I think sometimes, let me think. I think what you draw people to in a church is what sets the expectation slash keeps them there. So like, I think there's a lot of this do no harm mentality come just as you are. And that's half of it. But I use the cliche on Sunday. You just mentioned it kind of adjacently a second ago. Like, no, the point ultimately is to be changed. So when, when I, like, that's true, you can come as you are. But if you want to come to validate the way you are forever, that's this may not be for you. And right. we just got to have the guts to be able to say that. Now, I'm not saying we do. And uh, listen, I think uh, we talked about grace and truth on Sunday. I think most people at church would need two guesses as to which one I lean toward. Okay. I think it's called good news for a reason. I don't think people need to be told how horrible they are every week. All right. But I also think, again, to nuance it, to use a word you're you're good at bringing up, like when it comes to welcoming people, if what we're trying to sell them, we then kind of bait and switch, that's to me dishonest. I'll, I'll stop there. I don't want to get too ranty. Well, I mean, I think, I think there's trend, there's these trends over time to want to discredit Paul because they see him as hard harsh and a jerk. Mm -hmm. um, and like, that's you know, that Jesus has this grace. Paul has like this kind of sword he wheels around yeah, sometimes. Kind of, kind of a grumpy uncle vibe. Yeah. And <laughs> uh, we could get into hermeneutics and stuff like that. And I don't want to, but, but Paul is, um, he's going to show the, he's going to be honest about the nature of sin and brokenness in all of us. One, because he was there. His mm -hmm. eyes were so shut that it took Jesus removing scales from his eyes to even be able to see where he was before and experience this deepness of life. And so he's going to be very clear about what's happening. And a lot of times we try to catch people by comforting, um, giving this like very low level, low bar ideal of what it is in the Christian life. And in doing that, we water down the deepness of grace and love and restoration that's possible for all of us, and including your friends, uh, kids, roommate. I mean, so we're we're all 
have experienced this radical forgiveness. Um, and so when we look at the criminal, we actually weep in joy because God's grace is that good. And we've experienced that in our in our own life. And so that's a, I mean, that's a hard place to be. And it's churches struggle with that balance. And I'm I'm the same way between that grace and truth. But yeah. I think you're getting in on it on what you catch them with, what you welcome people with. It, is it just whatever we can do to get you here or is it? I want you to come. I want you to be a part of this community because there's this deep truth of what it means to be human and to be loved by the God who created you. And I want to point you to that. And some of that's hard. Some of it's glorious, um, but it all leads to this, this calling that we have in our lives. Mm-hmm. So as we, as we think about this concept of radical forgiveness and inviting a response of radical obedience, we've, Throughout the series, we've tried to kind of set up these dichotomies, uh, guilt and shame, uh, forgiveness and reconciliation, um, grace and truth, uh, at least especially at our joint this last time. Um, so how do we both resist the urge to just dismiss anything that offends us or is not lined up with our theology or our ethics, but also not just say anything goes. Um, So we were talking about this before we hopped on. I'll just throw out an example and I hope this isn't, I think this is in bounds, we'll see. I can't bring myself to watch the HBO documentary on Michael Jackson, I just can't. I don't wanna know and there's probably, I know me saying that's problematic. I just can't, I, I, I I just don't wanna do it. Every Halloween for the rest of my life, I'm, I'm a throw on thriller. And so when, when we read about, you know, the pretty incriminating case for some of the choices that hurt many people that Michael Jackson made, can we separate those from still loving his music? I mean, we, we could rattle off 15 right now. Uh, what do y'all think? I'd be I'd be interested to hear from folks that are listening because this is this has been the one that I struggle with the most. Um, I think back to Wesley's general rules. I was reflecting on that today, no, and I you, wonder I wonder off horse. Yeah, so do good, do no harm, and stay in love with God is a modern context of of the third one, but. Uh, attend to the ordinances, meaning positioning yourselves in that grace of God, scripture, prayer, fasting, but do good so that we are living out um, and loving people sacrificially, do no harm. So we're making sure that there's places in our life are not harming others, seeking justice, walking humbly with God. So all all of those pulling together, Wesley organized, this is discipleship. We're going to hold to those. He taught and preached on a lot, but so the question I, I came to, I was reflecting on, am I doing harm by listening to his music? Um, am I creating more harm to those that were abused? Or am I perpetuating or making making the crime? Like like I thought we, we let our kids listen to it because it was fun to dance to in the living room. And I just wonder what happens in 10 years when they hear about it. So have I done harm by essentially saying like, 
this is fun to listen to. So I'm not saying that answers the question, but it invites some ethical considerations. Here's one. Yeah, Cosby Show is a great one. Um, it it we need to think critically about these, and I just think what I was trying to get out, and I, I know you were too, is how do we help our people, and how do we ourselves think critically about these very nuanced, very complex issues instead of just shutting them off mm-hmm. or just not thinking about it. Right? That's that's your arbitrary morals. I'm gonna I'm just gonna do this and not worry about this and yeah. like. you know, I'm not going to think about it. Right. And arbitrarily being well, and you know, we could, we could name, we're not here to draw a big list of names to, to, to crack on, but arbitrary morals would be, I am going to listen to Michael Jackson, but I refuse to watch Bill Cosby. Yeah. And yet to some degree, we all do that. Yeah. Yeah. uh, With in one area of life or another. So in some of it's inescapable. Yeah. I, I, I hope folks didn't view, um, either message we had is non-committal. I think we're just trying to be sincere about leaving room for nuance and, and complications. Cause that's the reality. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think there's so much, there's so much in our world right now that we have lost the art of thinking critically. So my, my wife's taking an ethics class. She's going back and finishing her bachelor's degree, converting her associates into bachelor's right now. And so she's having, she, her associates was very spe- specific. And so now she's going back and taking mainly the core classes. So oh, she, a lot of gen eds. Yeah. So she took, uh, yeah, my wife's back in with a freshman. So uh, she's <laughs> loving that, but she's, she took an ethics class. And one of the things that we had to do, I'll try to keep this short is we had to present an argument um, and talk about the merits of that argument. And one of the, it gave me a refresher in ethics because one of the one of the problems I see in our world is we will an an a ethical. If anybody knows ethics, they can speak into this though. Um, an ethical argument can be coherent if this, then this. Mm-hmm but still have the presuppositions of if be completely false. And we, a lot of times wholesale adopt anything that's coherent without being able to think critically and dismiss some of the ifs that are there. Okay. What, can you give us some examples? Uh, yeah. So let me think, let me think of one. Um, there was, all right, I don't know if I should do this, but ah. We're Go here. We're live. If, there if was it's a, terrible, we can delete it. what we used in Lauren's class. There is a pastor, I won't name him, who made the argument that um, to have a, uh, a, a society that has religious freedom and to allow that to happen um, is to allow people to choose and worship false gods. Therefore, you, you are a bad Christian. So if you play out the ifs to the end, it might hold some water unless you think critically and dismiss some of the critical ifs. So when I say that is if you have a politician or if you have someone that gets up and they give an argument that holds some water from beginning to end, but we don't do the hard work of critically interacting with what is wrong in the midst of it, we miss some of the real dangerous nuance. So if you look at our if you look at Fox News and you look at uh, CNN and you look at some of these media, they present things that are believable. Mm -hmm. 
but they but it's hard for us to weed through it to find where the bias is actually giving us presuppositions that we we actually should question a little bit Mm. and i use both examples because i think it happens on both sides of whatever line you want to draw that's there very diplomatically done so anyways instead of instead of canceling things yeah. Can we do the work of your teacher that says, let's look at some different arguments and think critically about this. And I would say as Christians think Christianly yeah. so that we have the mind of Christ and we might be able to interact with these things and be in the process redemptive to the culture mm-hmm. um, to be able to bring some trait, some truth and grace. How about that? Boom. Hey, we got my, uh, my friend, Tim Byington from OKC. Good to see you, man. We went to church camp together in like the late nineties. So, Thanks for chiming in, brother. This is not the first time you've done that. That's awesome. So appreciate you chiming in. So, well, John Wayne, do you, is there anything that is there a stone you feel like we left unturned? Is there anything else you want to say, kind of in, in closure of of this canceled concept? Well, I think one of the things that I landed with Sunday is a couple couple points. One. I needed to be reminded that God uses broken people, um, even corrupt and evil, and brings good out of it. Hmm. And so I think that there is beautiful intellectual property and beautiful art and beautiful part. Part of my calling uh, is somebody sharing something that was really, really important to me. And later on, that person did something awful. Mm. So can both can both of those that person have experienced a deep brokenness that led them to do that? And God used that person as an avenue to lead me to the place that I am. So I think God can use that. So I just needed to be reminded of that very thing. Um, And I think that uh, part of our anxiety that causes us to cancel is we've at we've elevated things to a higher place than they should be, whether it's partisan politics, whether it's like economics, whether whatever it is, we've made them be our security and maybe even our gods in ways that causes us to rebel against anything that challenges our ideologies or mindsets and leads us down a road of, of cancellation. So I think that place of grace is, again, putting Jesus back on the throne that's his, following him more closely. And we're able that, to have that truth and grace as we interact with ideas that might be different than ours. And that, that's, that's really was my hope. And you and I discussed this. That at the end of all these discussions, what I hoped for our folks was that we would be more merciful. Yeah. That that we would be able to extend grace even as we put truth, kind of stand on that foundation of truth. That allows us to extend grace and not and, and deal with the cognitive dissonance sometimes, like like with the friend you described. Um, so that that to me was my hope and outcome of, of this whole thing is that we would take a step back, maybe look at some presuppositions to your point earlier. But ultimately, that we would be more merciful. Landon says, we're followers to so being Christian. We should follow what our heart tells us is good or bad, Christian or not. So we must forgive. What's wrong? But sometimes if the situation isn't Christian, maybe we have to cancel it until there's heart in the holy. Uh, 
Angela said, uh, Angie says empathy is waning. Uh, Tim says, what's the difference between being a socialite versus a diplomat and a theological being? So uh, our, one of the things we looked at was what do we do with leaders in the public sphere? Um, that may be kind of what you're tracking on, Tim. Help me out with, uh, with some more defining of that. Carol, we're glad you're here too. I think I think the other thing I was just I'm just thinking about too is I I can't trust my feelings and emotions just in isolation in my small minuscule experience of life to be able to like to to uh, maneuver some of the deep cultural issues of our time. I need the church. I need a I need wisdom of community that's seeking that out and over the beyond, history of the, beyond yourself over the history of the church the church has been that to work through some of these real complex problems to say this idea needs to be canceled because it's actually dangerous to the gospel of jesus christ mm -hmm. um again i think ideas are easier than people so that's something i was i think god can do amazing things with people but this other idea leads us astray um, but I think I think that the church needs to weigh in on that. When I say the church, I don't just mean your local church either. I mean that the history of the church gives us a a lens to be able to encounter some of these things. We do that with scripture. We do that with prayer and we do that in community. Um, so uh, I just think we need a little bit more than just myself, because sure. I, sometimes I see things and I I have a visceral reaction to it. But I need my brother or sister or a collection of people to say, why don't you rethink this? What are you reacting to? Is it really that person or is it really this thing? So I don't know for what that's worth. And we see that a lot of these problems we're talking about ain't new, that lots of other smart and faithful people have wrestled with them before. That's helpful to know sometimes as well. Yeah. Well, man, I think, I think we're at the end of the cancel road. I'm kind of sad. I know. It's given us an excuse to hang out. It's been fun to team up. Uh, thanks for letting me uh, join your Facebook admin page so we could push the stream to it. I thanks will... for not spamming us while we <laughs> let you do that. Hey, I heard about this great pastor in Kansas City. Uh, <laughs> so uh, great working with you, brother. Yeah. Uh, I'll come up with a reason to call you real soon, I'm sure. You want to pray for us? I would love to pray for us. Let's pray. Got to give you thanks for these conversations. I think that they are for our good and to your glory. And so, Lord, I pray that they would continue in homes, in local settings, Lord, as we seek to have the mind of Christ, as we seek to follow you closely, and as we seek to have heavenly optimism about your redemption in the world. And so, Lord, we desire that and we ask for it. God, be with the church in Kearney and be with the church here, Lord, that you would um, that you would bless it with um, days of of just a desire to follow you um, and for incredible partnership with you and your work in the world. God, I give you thanks for Adam and thankful for his ministry, thankful for his church and for the church here. We love you and trust you. It's in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Friends, good night. Thanks for being along for the journey. We'll see you soon. Later.